Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Um, thank you for joining us. Recruitment Leadership, in case you don't already know, is a mentoring and non-executive business advising the owners and directors of recruitment businesses all through the UK and overseas. So I am delighted to be joined today by Laura Wood of Generation Nexus. A little bit of background on Laura before we begin our session, um, which is focused again on marketing and communications. Uh, Laura is a founder and owner of Generation Nexus. That's a business that um, focuses on recruitment strategy and execution, importantly, for (laughs) recruitment businesses. So, Laura, you started in PR originally, I think. that's right. And then moved into a more general marketing role focused primarily on property. But you very rapidly made a big splash, particularly in the Northwest, but elsewhere Mm -hmm. as well, uh, in terms of providing marketing support to lots of recruitment businesses. And if, in case anyone was unaware, Generation Nexus actually provide all my marketing. <laughs> so if you are listening to this podcast, you are doing so thanks to the efforts of Laura and her team at Generation Nexus. Thanks, guys. I do not know where I'd be without you. <laughs> thanks. So, Laura, you described to me that one of the great attractions of working in the recruitment industry was that there are so many startups and businesses at that absolute formative stage that you wanted to work with through their growth, adapting and developing their strategy. And in our last episode, uh, we discussed with Christy the different phases of development. So this episode, I think, will speak particularly to those people who are at an early stage in recruitment, but I'm sure we'll get some pearls of wisdom from you in any event. Having now observed the marketing of lots and lots of different recruitment companies in different markets, I'd like to start with bad habits, if you will. You're in a position probably to comment, naming no names, to (laughs) comment on some of the bad habits that you see in the recruitment industry and that you think really need revising. Can we start there? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for the lovely introduction as well, Alison. So for us, I think recruitment in particular as an industry is incredibly exciting because it presents so much opportunity. I think the foundations have been built over a number of years and it's just now that a lot of agencies are recognizing that marketing is their opportunity to really elevate their business, their outputs and how they're doing it. In terms of habits, I'm actually listening to a book at the moment called Atomic Habits by James Clear. 
he discusses quite a lot about the framework and strategies that form habits and the systems that you create is the way that you basically achieve your end goals. And I think one of the things that we find quite a lot is that recruiters have their habits in terms of their sales process and how they operate their business, but they don't necessarily see marketing as a separate system to achieve end goals as their recruitment and sales strategy. The thing that we really like to look at is what is your marketing system or strategy and how can you build up positive habits, just like James Clear talks about, in order to achieve end goals that work in line with your business objectives. It's not about doing something radically different from your overall goal. It's more about how do you grow your network, attract more people and reiterate your business value through marketing strategies and not have those two things working in complete isolation. One of the big things for us is how do you align your sales and your marketing strategy and how do you make sure that the two things are communicating with each other and you're making positive changes continually along the way as opposed to just saying what we need to do marketing now go ahead and do do the marketing. So yeah I think initially making sure that you're aware that that system is needed and that it should be talking to your sales strategies. Now I'd like to dig into the nuts and bolts of marketing and sales alignment in a bit more detail later on but just sticking with marketing mistakes if you will that, that, that people are making I think you're saying is that in a lot of cases people's people are venturing into some marketing but they're doing a series of not joined up activities is that what you're saying yeah and also trying to replicate exactly what they've done with sales and thinking that it will also work with marketing give us an example of that so one of the biggest things we see is around perfectionism and already knowing that this works in sales so this is exactly what we need to do well actually if we were to look at marketing quite often you need to take risks in how you attract your audience group and allowing yourself to not be such a perfectionist with what you're doing and take those risks open up so much more of an an opportunity so one example that we've been working on recently is one of our clients wants to open up in a new territory they want to move to Europe and they're discussing at the moment about deploying more of their consultants time into actually looking at how they can set up this market over in Europe we were saying well why not test the waters initially first rather than trying to replicate what you're currently doing in in England in the northwest why not use the marketing tools that you have and test the water, start building that database, understand what those people want out there and then see how you can adapt your sales strategies to to align to them. So for example, building up a database, how do you use paid media through Google, through LinkedIn, even through different, if it's candidates, looking at Instagram and Facebook and setting up adverts to say, we are looking for this type of person. Do you fit this mold? Are you this type of personality? And then if you can get the attraction out there, then it's worthwhile going into that market. Right. Okay. So you're saying traditionally, most people would just put a full expensive recruiter headcount on the job. Yeah. Get them doing the the grunt work, if you like, that really (laughs) we should be thinking about doing through marketing now. Yeah. and, And I think part of that is because it's the tried and tested method of doing it. And also it's 
part fear of investing in something that you're not necessarily 100% comfortable in yourself. So you don't know how to set up that Instagram advert. So should you risk putting effort or time into doing it if you don't know that it's going to work? Quite often you can make the biggest learnings from things that don't work and then developing strategies to make things work as opposed to waiting until you've got it absolutely right right. okay but yeah and of course there's significant cost savings presumably as well yeah I mean so you can experiment a little bit more if Facebook advertising is relatively affordable and you know you think about the difference between spending a couple of hundred pounds on a Facebook ad to test some waters as opposed to hours and hours of a consultant's time it it makes sense in the long run Mm. Okay. That's interesting. And I must admit, you know, until quite recently, I would have been advising some of my clients to, to just dedicate somebody in their office to a another geography from UK. Yeah. But actually, I can see the value of what you're saying. What other mistakes or habits do, do you think need to be broken? One big thing for us at the moment is around um, this focus on self-promotion and having to broadcast a lot of your key sales benefits and thinking that the world needs to know every single thing about your business in order for them to make a decision. We work very much on the no one cares as much as you do. Mantra. <laughs> it, you know, I, I suppose it, it's hard to hear when you're a business owner, because of course you care about your business, but in the same vein that you're you know, as you're walking around the streets, you're not just waiting for a shop to appear and then you walk into it. You make decisions on the shops that you enter. You know, as a as an individual, you know the type of brands that you'd align yourself with. You know the types of products that you're after. It's the same with recruitment businesses. There are more things than just, we have this job available. We have this amazing value proposition, which is often very similar to a lot of other recruitment businesses. If we if we look at it in terms of not everybody's always looking for a job as a consultant and a client isn't always looking for a replacement or a new member of their team. The difficulty from a recruitment perspective is if you're constantly promoting the features of your business so we can fill this job within 24 hours or we only send two people to interview and guarantee that you'll place one, the the danger there is that you're only fulfilling a client or a candidate's requirement at the point when they're actually needing your service. Ah, as opposed to having developed a brand yeah. that they will seek out when the situation arises. Yeah, and and also there's an opportunity to build out the idea that they need people in advance of them thinking that they need them. So a client might be in a position where they have a really solid five-person team. Well, actually, it might be a more benefit to them to have an eight-person team with three different skill sets that historically they would have thought would have been filled by one person. Mm-hmm. And the... There's an objective within your marketing where you can educate both sides of the fence to understand their requirements before they even need them. So it's not always just on a knee-jerk reaction. It's building a relationship and a narrative with your end user and your audience to know when they can lean on you as a resource. Right. Okay. So in our last episode, Christy highlighted an interesting statistic. She said that at the point when a client, for example, is is going to engage in a telephone conversation, they've typically done 57% of their buying process. In other yeah. words, they've 
Uh, they've researched who supplies in their market. They've looked at the the values and, and brand associated, maybe looked at who you've worked with, if you've got testimonials up on your website. This is a big shift, isn't it, from how business used to be, where yeah. in effect it was the recruiter's telephone call that was giving them all that information. Yeah, they exactly. already have it. And that's also consciously. So you've got to think of unconsciously when people aren't in the market for looking at those things, there's still an opportunity to build that awareness and also that story around, well, I actually don't need to spend as much time researching my next career opportunity because I already know of XYZ recruiter. So thinking of the unconscious as well, how do you create digital proof and awareness that is constantly happening in and around us? Mm, Okay. So just thinking about that point on people doing feature-based self-promotion, what can you put out there that will help build your brand when someone is not hiring or looking for a job move? One thing that we found that worked, particularly in the Northwest and I suppose within different sectors is um, events and also just like this, podcasts, giving people opportunity to learn and to grow that isn't just a sales opportunity for them. So as an example, We run an event series with one of our clients that has key speakers across their industry. So it's tech. So getting notable people within the tech industry in front of people that would just be interested about that information Mm -hmm. that can help them build in their current career and also give them the opportunity to think actually there are other careers out there or this is what my progression could look like if I was to take a different role Mm. and that in-person engagement and interaction really helps improve one a business's thought leadership and ability to present their knowledge within a particular area but also it gets more crucially face-to-face time and an opportunity to speak to people directly as opposed to having to chase them down on the phone or send them endless messages and now the key there is to get a topic or create an event structure that people are interested in so to go back to the nobody cares about your business hosting an event that is going to talk to them about hot jobs is not going to get people excited. If you're not in the market for a job right now, you're not going to go to that event. Mm -hmm. But if you are talking about the innovation within a particular space, or if you're talking about new companies that are emerging within an area, People are interested in that because it directly affects them and their future development. So you would take time out of your busy schedule to attend something like that. And it gives you the opportunity to engage. Similarly with podcasts, actually, because of the length of podcasts and because of the engagement you get with somebody, you're allowing your audience to hear about, you know, your knowledge, your ability, your skill without having to do a hard sell at them and that engagement and nurturing over time can build a lot more confidence with somebody so when they come to you know need a job or they need a role to fill they'll know where to go because they've already built this relationship with you. Right so years ago when I was an operating director of a, a recruitment PLC we used to effectively do celebrity interviews they were celebrities in the sector that we recruited yeah. in um but very not david high, beckham high profile <laughs> figures that actually i would interview about their career largely yeah. and that brought in a lot of 
people who do who were just coming for a nice evening out yeah. the, we didn't talk about recruitment at all is that the kind of thing you're yeah and it's you know if you look at um the influencer trend over the past few years people are fascinated with other people's lives they want to know how they've you know how have you built this following how do you dress in the morning what do you eat for dinner and how do you stay so super fit mm-hmm. it's that that intrigue that really captures people's imagination and i think Often recruitment businesses don't think that they can apply those same logics to their own business when actually you do want to hear from the CEO of a a tech business that's built, started from nothing and is now a unicorn business. People want to hear that story. They want to see that journey and they want to see if they can themselves replicate that. So I think just as human interest, people are fascinated by it. Yeah, it's true. There's a there's a human interest angle that has become much bigger in business to business communications, isn't there? Okay, so that's habit number two: the self promotion that's based on features. Bad habit. Yeah. Let's break it and instead start <laughs> talking to people about things related to, but not about jobs. Yeah. Okay. What else have you observed in terms of bad habits? So time is a big thing for recruiters versus marketing. I would say so in terms of building a presence, building a brand, looking at how you create different avenues and enter different platforms. It takes a lot more time than just picking up the phone and speaking directly to a person. That management of time um, is something that we constantly battle with, that deadlines are too short or expectations are unrealistic in terms of how long things take to actually deliver. And I think an understanding on both sides, actually, on how quick things are expected and how long it takes to actually grow and develop something is is something that we really need to start shifting in terms of an understanding. And a big part of that, like we, you know, you said in the introduction, we are working with a lot of smaller businesses or small to medium businesses. And quite often it's their first foray into marketing. So that kind of education process and how you dedicate your time to marketing and your expectations of that, I think is, um, is definitely something that should be um should be changing this year right okay so if i am a small recruitment business owner and i've just really stretched myself my cash flow isn't isn't solid and reliable so far i've stretched myself to engage with a, a consultancy like your like yours what expectations should i have in say year one I think it all comes down to the objectives for your business overall. So every single company is different and everybody has different priorities. So we always follow a sequence of understanding what do you want to achieve with your clients? What do you want to achieve with candidates? And how about your business itself? Are you looking to grow? Are you looking to maintain where you are? And having having an understanding of those three different areas allows us to present back what is achievable within a a particular year. So some clients like to be really hands-on and be really involved because they have the time to be really involved. Mm -hmm. It can be a bad habit of dedicating too much time to marketing, but not actually having the time to be able to do that. And that's probably a separate conversation. But some of our clients want us to just 
crack on with the marketing and work with the consultants and the sales team to make sure that it's aligned, but not allow it to become another burden that they have to worry about. And I think that's one of our biggest focuses is making sure that marketing is streamlined and it doesn't take up a load of time and you don't have to be a perfectionist about everything. It's you know, you've set as these goals, this is how we're going to work towards it. And we'll constantly keep in contact on how that's working, but you don't have to physically do it yourself. Right. Okay. So agree long-term goals. Yeah. Give your marketing agency, if you're using an agency, some headspace to plan out their own schedule yeah. and processes. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's where having an account management focus on our clients really benefits people as well. So it's not a case of you are telling us what to do and having to have the headache of understanding whether it works or not, having an understanding of the reporting and making sure that you are discussing the analytics with your, you know, chosen marketing person and this is the same for in-house marketeers as well making sure that focus on reporting and understanding whether it's working or not and constantly reflecting back on the overall objective so it's not just a case of let's do social media it's what's our social media going to achieve for us how are we going to use that in tandem with all of our other channels i see okay so have have realistic expectations and don't dictate every task. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Okay. So you also highlighted that there's some bad habits involved around tracking and administration. Yes. So I think one of the biggest challenges, I suppose, is knowing what marketing is working. It has changed quite a lot over the past few years that it's not always just one marketing source leads to one inquiry. And as you were saying in the last episode, the the whole journey needs to be taken into account and people will visit your website multiple times. They will, you know, read your leaflet, attend an event, go on your brochure. It's a combination of all of those efforts from a marketing perspective that lead to a sales conversation. But making sure that you understand what your client or what your candidate has done prior to contacting you is incredibly important to help build up that picture. A lot of wasted money happens through not tracking correct marketing activity and also not having a focus on it internally means that quite often we don't know what marketing is being incredibly successful and therefore we need to do more of it. The easiest thing to track is things like events because we can see that that person has attended an event and then they've you know gone on to doing X, Y, Z. But making sure that your CRM is up to date with all of that information is really key. And a lot of the time we are reliant on the consultants themselves to actually do that. Obviously, when they're focused on making sure that they can get their, you know, target, it's it's a challenge to get them to actually update the probably secondary information. But having that foundation and that understanding that the marketing activity is leading to this, if it works, we do more of it, you become more successful in the long run is certainly more beneficial. Mm. It's a it's a battle I've worked on my whole life trying to get salespeople to do their admin. <laughs> yes. Well it, it's that phrase that that really nails it. In the long run, yeah. it will benefit you. And in recruitment, we do tend to be very short term focused. Yes. Don't we? Yeah. yeah. And and marketing isn't. I think marketing is all about the long term and, and that's quite often where the conflict comes by, you know, those two different departments working together because marketing does need to look at, right, this is a, a three week, four week, 
three months, six months process. And we're constantly evaluating those things. Whereas, you know, sales has the opportunity to be like we've put the phone down and I never have to think of that again because it didn't work Mm. and that I think cohesion between the two departments really benefits both parties like you say in the long run. So for all the the startup um, business owners out there listening anyone who's let's say in their first two years of starting up a recruitment business what are the essential measures or milestones as far as marketing is concerned that you would recommend so we look at it in terms of your um reach from an audience perspective so the easiest things to measure are the number of people going onto your website the number of people engaging with you on social media and that's key it's engagement not following and because you can focus on that follower number and try to have the biggest following in, you know, in your space when actually nobody actually is looking at what you're posting. Mm -hmm. So the engagement of those posts is incredibly important. And also the engagement of your database, Mm -hmm. because you can, again, have thousands of people in your database, but if they're not actively engaged in your company or what you're trying to say, they're dead dead in the you know dead on the CRM so they're the three areas that we really focus on measuring and then also in terms of the engagement from a consultant basis as well so do they have a full understanding of what you're trying to achieve as a business and are they along that same journey as we are in order to try and achieve the results that everyone wants your next habit actually highlights something that I think I come back to in all of these podcasts, <laughs> which is the challenges that many recruiters have in articulating what they do really well or differently. Yeah. yeah? Not necessarily unique, but at least better than the, the market. So we get those hoary old chestnuts. We're different. We won't waste your time with irrelevant CVs. Hallelujah. (laughs) And uh, we're different. We like to build long term relationships. And pretty much, you know, every recruitment website I've ever looked at has at some point said something like that. Yeah. Now, without ending up being a features based self promoter, um, as you've previously highlight, how can you differentiate yourself? I think it's about being very clear on what your space needs. So what does your vertical sector need from a recruiter? And what's the personality of the brand that you're trying to achieve? So everybody should be focused on quality. And quality is one of the things that constantly comes up when we do engagement sessions with clients who say, we're a quality recruiter. We'd all hope so, because, you know, if you're not quality, then you're not really doing a very good job. So how do you execute quality? Is it because you spend a longer time on the phone with your client to fully understand what they're doing. One of our um, clients actually used to do um, an in-depth survey with their client prior to any jobs that they would take on for them. So they'd understand the exact makeup of the culture within the business. They'd understand what the CEO used to do in their spare time to really build up a proper picture. And getting to the actual crux of, okay, so if you were to compare yourselves or position yourselves in the market, what are you actually doing? And have it as more of a storytelling rather than words that sound great on paper. So 
what does quality actually mean in a sentence, in a story, in a, you know, in a longer form than just the singular word? And then playing on that with the messaging that you put out there. It's not about just a singular strap line that I think everybody gets very focused on. It's more about over a period of time, how are you telling the story? What does that look like first thing in the morning? And then what does that look like last thing at night when your audience are reading it? Or what does it look like if you're looking for a job and then when you're not looking for a job and how does that message adapt to that? So their quality turns into a completely different story altogether. So um, maybe outside of recruitment, can you think of a brand that actually does that really well? One of my favourite brands um, is Airbnb. So obviously, I think it was five years ago now, they rebranded entirely and they made their focus all around community and that their they have hundreds of different communities all across the world, but all of them make you feel like you're at home. Mm. And that was their biggest differentiator at the time compared to their competitor, which was hotels, which absolutely don't make you feel at home. The whole point is that you feel like you're on holiday. And that was, you know, historically how everybody always felt. Airbnb have done a fantastic job of establishing how you can feel at home in multitude of cities across the world whether you're going to Tokyo or whether you're just going down the road to the Peak District and they do that through offering content so they've just created actually an explore page on their website where you can understand all the events that are taking place in those cities but also how to live in that city like a local so you're not just going to stay there for a week you're actually going to implement yourself within your surroundings and that feeling of familiarity excites people and it means that you can get so much more out of your experience and your trip than just going to the place for a period Ah, of time so this is where those the hosts that offer you know particularly local insights or or even guided tours yeah that's quite the right phrase um that's where they come in that Exactly. And it's an experience rather than just a piece of accommodation. Exactly. And Airbnb could have just gone down the route of it's a really practical apartment in a city that you're already going to and it's in a great location. Mm -hmm. That's all fine. But actually, that overall experience is the thing that they're really hanging their hat on. So they're saying that through choosing Airbnb versus a hotel, you're actually going to get a far better and more memorable experience whilst also feeling comfortable because it replicates everything that you already have from your own home. They don't do that just by showing a logo and having, you know, a a belong sense tagline. They do it through all of the communications that they have. So like you were saying, the hosts, they have local city guides quite often in the apartments. They'll also talk to you beforehand and you'll have a conversation about your arrival time if you need any suggestions about where to go. They're obviously doing that selfishly because they want to have better ratings when, you know, on the platform. But the overall experience creates a completely different, completely different holiday than if you were to just stay in a hotel. Mm -hmm. And I think how Airbnb have really changed that space has given a lot of people um, something to look at and also learn from in terms of that storytelling concept. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's saying we're not trying to be poor man's hotel. Yeah. We are giving you a completely different experience. Okay, this is fascinating. So, as you will know, in recruitment, we are we tend to get very focused on recruitment. And part of the reason for 
this sort of replication of sometimes bad habits is because the industry is always spawning <laughs> new yeah. recruitment businesses as people break away from bigger, more established businesses to set up themselves. Yeah. And very often what they do is then take the same CRM, the same processes, yeah. the same pricing structure, the exactly the same terms of business and do key documents and templates that their, their previous company used. Yeah. And then they just roll out the same thing. Yeah. And that's why we see a lot of people doing very similar things in terms of marketing comms. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to talk for a, for a while about what we can, what else we can learn from other sectors. Yeah. Because you have that experience, obviously. Yeah, very much so. I, I would say that although on the face of things, property doesn't sound like it's very similar to recruitment, the foundations of it are very much built around sales and around you know, money and there's a lot of money in property. There's a lot of money in recruitment. And I think it harbors very similar personalities, very driven, very ambitious. Yeah. And, and also incredibly entrepreneurial, which is something that I think, especially myself, I, I thrive in an entrepreneurial um, environment and I love working with people that are, you know, taking that step to building businesses on their own, it's an intimidating experience. And I think it should be, it's only for the brave quite often. And I think that those people that are willing to, to take that step and do that set up on their own, they often have a very different personality type, you know, and, and we experience that quite a lot in property. So my previous role was very entrepreneurial and the the greatest thing about them was that they didn't think that they were a property business they looked at retail they looked at hospitality and they were very much focused on we are a hospitality business because we are creating experiences within the buildings that we build mm -hmm. and because of that we were always looking at what do big fashion brands do and how do they capture the attention of the audience group that we're trying to target? What has Spotify done with tech that means that people create a value proposition with Spotify that has no meaning whatsoever? You know, how can you put a price on endless streaming of music, but Spotify have created a value proposition in the market that People sign up monthly and pick Spotify over quite a lot of other providers. And it's looking at those bigger players in the market and how they're talking to their end users that we applied in property and we're also applying now with a lot of recruitment businesses. Can you give us an, an example, putting you on the spot, um, <laughs> an example of, you know, a marketing initiative, if that's the correct word, that you've borrowed from some other industry successfully? for one of your clients? Yeah, so I suppose looking outside just the experiential and kind of the property side, we've also been working with a client recently who is very focused on both internally, but main focus on clients around constant improvements. And as a business, they are really focused on their own health and fitness. So we started to look at, well, what does the fitness industry do in terms of building up this community and kind of following an engagement for continually improving yourself day in, day in, day out. So we started to look at what CrossFit do as an entity and as a community, but also what do personal trainers do and how do they build relationships with, um, with their clients and started to replicate that through all of the messaging that we're doing through, for them through social media. So the concept is all around marginal gains and continually improving.
improving yourself in order to get further in your career and also progress your own learning and development opportunities so we look at motivational quotes we look at activities that help and stimulate the mind and also the body and also put a big focus on how you can dedicate time to fitness and health whilst also improving your career and all of the comms we do relates back to this marginal gains and how you can continually improve yourself and that's all around it's all the basis of it was all around how CrossFit have built their community with them with their clients right so getting fit for life is and part of that is getting fit for a your career as well I guess isn't yeah, it yeah and also it's it's really aligned to candidates mentality but and how they fit in with a client so it's not just saying well I'll make this move because it's the best option for me right now it's this is part of my longer term plan and also it's going to be a step up for me it's going to be an improvement for me mm-hmm. as opposed to I just have to to get this job and interestingly they are recruiters for engineering so it's not you know nothing to do with the fitness space but the alignment of that mentality and career progression really works well right okay so important point there it's not just a question of looking at the vertical you operate in absolutely not but looking at things that you do with this are the personality and values of your company yeah okay right that's fascinating now back at the beginning of our chat You alluded to sales and marketing integration, which is a topic we also touched on in an earlier episode. Um, I've observed in a lot of the work that that I do, um, a small business owner might be a marketing enthusiast and he may engage with an agency or even engage someone in-house and have a fantastic idea about what campaigns he wants to drive and how they're going to contribute to the brand. I often observe, though, is that the sales force is dragged by business gravity back into, yeah, that's all very nice (laughs) and it's interesting, but I just need to keep on doing what I do and put numbers on the board. Yeah. So sometimes I feel that the potential of a campaign or a new marketing initiative is completely lost yeah. because the salespeople, they might understand it intellectually, but there is no impact on their sales activity, the conversations they're having with clients and candidates, uh, the messages they're putting out and so on. So can we just explore that? Why why is it such a problem in the first place? And what works in terms of sales and marketing integration? I think Initially, the the challenge is around how um, marketing is implemented within the business. It is quite often seen as as a new addition to the overall business plan as opposed to integral within the overall operation. And because sales is so fundamental within recruitment, they might not necessarily understand the the role of marketing if it is added at a later date. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately most consultants are doing their own marketing as part of their role anyway so attracting candidates to speak to is essentially what marketing is I think the role of a marketing individual is making sure that they understand how they can make a sales consultant's life a lot easier Mm -hmm. and more streamlined and more focused on the conversion element of their role as opposed to the parts leading up to it and actually getting the people to speak to. Mm -hmm. So 
I think from a business owner's perspective, it's being clear with your marketing that you have an overall objective and that should always lead to more revenue for the business. So establishing, well, we're going to measure this marketing on sales. So we're going to look at how many job applications it drives, or we're going to look at how many phone calls we can um, achieve through this activity or face-to-face meetings. Mm -hmm. And having those sales goals aligned to the marketing strategy immediately brings those two two teams, two departments together Mm -hmm. because they're all working towards the same ultimate goal. And also making sure that they build a relationship whereby they're not causing each other any issues because on the same the same time the salesperson's hammering on the phone they're also not providing the hot candidates or the hot jobs to the marketeer so the email can't go out and that relationship to have it set up from the get-go that it's incredibly important means further success down the line Mm. and then also I'd say that sales itself can often get clouded by a lot of activity that just isn't, you know, it it isn't what they should be doing. So how can, going back to the streamlined process, how could we make your life a lot easier? And is there more database nurturing that we could be doing? Is there more cleansing of that database and looking at the types of people that you're speaking to? Is there ways of communicating to more than one person at the same time? And is there ways that we could use technology to make that process a lot more streamlined to get their buy-in? Because at the end of the day, salespeople want to convert and they want to be hitting their target. They don't want to be wasting their time on things that aren't going to lead them to do that. And really that's part of the the um, resource that marketing provides. So if you look at all of the activities that, that come under the marketing comms umbrella, broadly speaking, in my view, there, there's three purposes to them. One is brand awareness. Yeah. Yeah. One is actual sales facilitation, finding candidates, finding clients and and helping people engage them. And then the third, which hopefully our listeners don't get too much involved in, is reputation management. Yes. So clearly, you know, if you're um, a BP or um, an, an Amazon or a Starbucks and you've had some bad press it's it's reversing the effect of that that used to be my favorite thing in PR to be fair (laughs) (laughs) so I I observe that a lot of people in recruitment think that marketing should be confined to brand awareness yeah while they get on and do the sales and what I think you're saying is actually every piece of of marketing activity should have a clear sales facilitation purpose behind it is that what you're saying yeah and also it's far easier to measure your return on investment if you do have a sales goal at the end of it Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that every single piece of activity is going to have a direct impact like you say in brand awareness that emphasis on building your brand in the space before somebody's even looking for a job or knows they have a role to fill Mm -hmm. is is part of that journey but yeah absolutely there should be a direct result of the marketing activity that you're doing. So you should say by the end of the year, we want 20 more clients and you should be able to track going back to the tracking and the admin side of things that your marketing has had that direct result. And we can look at things slightly different. And I think that's one of the benefits of having those two departments working together is that 
looking at things creatively and thinking, well, what would a Spotify do? What would a Nike do? Can add a completely different thought process to what you would ordinarily do, which is troll LinkedIn and look at job boards. And those two things working together is is a fantastic combination. Mm. One of the big changes that since, as you know, I've been in recruitment since dinosaurs roamed the earth. (laughs) 20 years ago, if you, I don't know, doing a marketing degree, I'm going to generalise massively here, but doing a marketing degree was probably a bit of a waste of time, to be honest. Marketing was, (laughs) I am talking a long time ago, (laughs) and marketing was very frilly. It was like the last luxury of a business, if if you will. And now we see all sorts of startups who take um, fintech or any kind of startup business, I'm talking outside of recruitment here, the marketing are the first hires, aren't they? Marketing development and user experience. They're the very, very first hires and the sales force gets added on later. Now that has not mapped through in recruitment at all, has it so far? Why is that? I would say that part of it is because in recruitment, you can pick up the phone and speak to a client and then speak to a candidate and you have all of the tools at your disposal to be able to do that. In other sectors, you can't necessarily make such a quick sale. And I think because of that, the emphasis on building your brand message always comes later, which is a shame for us marketeers, obviously. I was the first recruit in a former business as the marketing individual and then was responsible for hiring the sales team, hiring the admin team. I was involved in the interview process for ops and through that saw, I I mean, it was fascinating in terms of the thought processes and, but every single time everyone had a relationship together from the get go. And it meant that they understood that marketing was incredibly important to the business, that brand was incredibly important, but also that we could see how sales would fit into marketing, how ops would fit into marketing along the way. So building that business out meant that it was always focused on brand, essentially. Mm-hmm. Going at it the other way, it's more of an education piece more than anything and making sure that it's not just a an add-on, it's not just an afterthought, it's you're doing this to take your business to to the next level to streamline it to make it more optimized and also to create a bigger statement within the within the sector because as much as a, a person in front of a phone and or you know in front of whatsapp nowadays is beneficial that can only get you so far it's not scalable enough for everybody so growing out your business and, and elevating you to the next level is where the marketing side comes in mm. So we've touched on some non-technically based marketing activity, like events and so forth. I know our listeners are always very, very keen to hear what you think are the really exciting technical innovations that you think people should be aware of. They might be, you know, this might be at very early stage or you might be seeing some success stories with with clients without necessarily naming names. Yeah. Um, Can you highlight any technical capability that you think is going to be transformative for recruiters? I think, you know, this is over the past couple of years, obviously seen a massive, you know, focus and attention. It's not necessarily innovative for for this year, but certainly video is, is making a big impact in the recruitment sector. I think 
The reason for that is the contact that it gives to people and that the ability to absorb content very easily, but also put a face to quite a cold name quite a lot of the time. And that relationship and engagement that video builds resonates with with everybody. So video really playing a big part in people's strategies going forward. And just hold that thought for any um, listeners who haven't already heard it. Our last series, series three, was recorded with Ryan McCabe, who's the CEO of Odro. And he has some very interesting observations about video. Do carry on, Laura. Yeah, and, it, and Ryan touched on it quite a lot, that the accessibility for video, it's it's important. It's important to build up your relationships and your engagement with the people that you're speaking to. And it should be seen as part of your everyday goings on. You know, everybody has access to FaceTime nowadays. So it's part of people's everyday life. So you can also use it in business, which I think video really does play an important role. And I suppose the other side to it is, building engagement that is away from just a singular tweet or you know a a one-stop Instagram post and thinking that you have to get everything across which is why we're such big advocates of of podcasts which is you know why we're here today one of the reasons but for now podcasts are a relatively unsaturated market in terms of the availability of content and currently there's only 800,000 podcasts available for people to listen to. So it's not like there's um, a whole world of content out there and the ability to build a narrative and a longer longer form of engagement with your um, potential audience is fantastic. So mm-hmm. whereas podcast is certainly a an opportunity to be explored by recruiters, in particular ones that have thought leadership at the top of their priority goals for marketing because it's all fair and well yeah as I say putting out a post on LinkedIn but really building up that that story and that portfolio of how you are an expert in your field podcast is the perfect platform yeah and and you know I can speak from personal experience here (laughs) I was a podcast virgin before you guys talked me into doing this and I'm astonished how many people I meet who say oh yes I listen to your podcast and and, you know, they've, they pass around that information as well. Yeah. So uh, the audience is growing significantly, isn't it? Okay. So thank you very much for your insights, Laura. Some yeah, very interesting comments just to summarise about uh, habits that we need to break and also um, how we can adopt strategies from other industries, which I hope that listeners will be able to turn into some action so thank you very much again to laura wood of generation nexus thank Thank you laura this has been the recruitment leadership podcast and recruitment leadership is a business that works with owners and directors of recruitment businesses to help them achieve their ambitions through consultancy and non-exec service thank you very much for listening You've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow Recruitment Leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.